Okay, let's make a start. If you have a Bible with you today, could you go to Matthew chapter 18, please? Matthew chapter 18. We're going to be having a little look at that as I go through today. Um, We've come to um, part nine of the Freedom in Christ course. First three parts we did before Christmas, looking at the truth, the truth of what God has done in our lives, the truth as we are believers and how we kind of hold on to that. And then we looked at some obstacles which stopped us that, the world, the flesh, and the devil, that would try and get us away from God's truth. Because if they can get us to believe a lie, they can affect our life in so many different ways. And now what we're looking at is kind of just processing that. Last week we looked at handling emotions and the importance of emotions in our lives and how we handle those. And this week what we're going to be looking at is probably one of the key key parts of the, the course so far, and that is looking at forgiving, forgiveness, forgiving from the heart. Now, if I ask you this question, we know we've looked at, we have an enemy, the devil, who would want to come against us as believers, and the question I'd ask you is, um, what was the easiest way for the enemy to kind of try and defeat us as Christians? What's the easiest way for him to kind of knock us off course in our following of Jesus? Would you think, well, maybe it's kind of like occult activity, all that kind of spooky stuff that we're supposed to avoid? Would it be kind of the proliferation of cults and sects that uh, say things that aren't true about Jesus, that give a false view of Jesus and and pull him down and and don't uh, deny some of his truth? Would it say some of the sins that we can commit? You can get involved in all sorts of things, anger and lust and all, all that kind of stuff. But let me just read a verse to you here. This is what Paul says uh, in 2 Corinthians 2. It says, Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan. So that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. One of the key things that stops us growing and moving forward as Christians is forgiveness. That verse there talks about um, not being outwitted by the, say, the enemy's schemes. It's about um, we don't want to be ignorant of them. And unforgiveness, forgiveness and unforgiveness are the big things that will trip us up in growing in God and moving forward from it. Nothing keeps you in more bondage as bitterness and unforgiveness to the events of your past. And what we're going to be looking at today is how we kind of deal with that. And no greater opportunity uh, comes from the enemy in terms of you not dealing with unforgiveness. It's like your home. Uh, every night before we go to bed in my house, I just go around and lock up. We've got a front door, we've got a back door, we've got a side door. That's one of my kind of nighttime rituals. I go in and I check the front doors a lot, I check the back doors a lot, I check the side doors a lot, just so we're secure as a house and then we go to bed. Deal- not dealing with unforgiveness would be like unlocking all those doors and opening them. And leaving them open all the time, even when you're out of the house, even at night. Just letting an enemy come in and ransack and steal from your house. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. And we're going to be looking at the need to forgive. The need to forgive. Now, I don't know what has gone on in your life up to this point, but think of the worst thing anyone ever did to you. It would probably be quite painful. And you ask yourself the question, why should I forgive that? Why should I deal with that? Well, let's look at the reasons. Number one, it is required by God. It is required by God. It says in Matthew 6, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our 
sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's known as the Lord's Prayer. There's something fundamental in how Jesus taught his followers to pray. We are to forgive those who sin against us. It is simply a requirement of God. And your relationship with God is bound up with your relationship with other people's. You can't have a right relationship with God if you have unrighteous relationships with others around you. You can't have a right relationship with God and then live in isolation to everybody else, whether it's God's people in the church or the kind of wider community at large. They are connected together because we are to ask God for our forgiveness, for his forgiveness for us, but also then we are to forgive others around us. It goes on if you read that bit in Matthew. It says, For if you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, neither will your Father forgive your sins. Now let's just delve into that and find out what that exactly means. We need to be careful we don't apply this wrongly. God relates to us in two ways, as a judge and a father. As a judge and a father. Because you are in Christ, the judgment part has been dealt with. We no longer have any issue with God as judge. Because the judgment has been poured out in Christ, we've received forgiveness through Christ, we are free. Uh, we have that word justification, it means not guilty. We've been declared not guilty before God as judge. That is good news. But we also have judge, um, God as our Father. Okay, And what's at stake here is relationship with God as Father. Your relationship with God as Father. If you haven't forgiven people, if you're in unforgiveness, if you're in bitterness, it will hinder your relationship with God as Father. He won't let you be comfortable because he knows there's something in your life that you need to be given with. You won't be comfortable because you know there's things in your life you need to deal with. And they'll keep rearing their head and they'll keep taking you out. You'll lose peace. You'll lose sense of purpose. Kind of your daily walk with God will be a grind because you know there's unforgiveness in your life. And God won't let that go. So it's required by God. It's also essential for our freedom. Have you got that passage in Matthew 18? We're going to read one of Jesus' parables here, which is all about forgiveness on it, and it starts at verse 21, and it says, Then Peter came up and said to him, that would be Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? There's the forgiveness thing. As many as seven times. My goodness, Peter is very pious, isn't he? Seven times I'm going to forgive him. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Do the maths on that. That's quite a big number, isn't it, compared to just seven. And what Jesus isn't saying is you count up to 70 times seven. Is that 490? Have I got that right? Is my maths correct on that one? So you count up to 490, then 491, I don't have to forgive you now. I'm going to beat the heck out of you. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is effectively we go on forgiving us. We go on forgiving. It's not something you just kind of put a clock on. It's something that we have to do. It's the way we are to live our life. And what this, um, the, reason we all, the next reason we are to forgive is because of the extent of the debt that which we've accrued. If we read on this passage, Jesus says, uh, in response to Peter's question, he says, right, teaching moment. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he, since he couldn't pay his master... So he could pay. His master ordered him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payments to be made. We need to grasp the extent of our debt to God. 
We need to grasp the extent of our debt to God. And there's a picture here in the story. Jesus told another story as well about um, a Pharisee named Simon who, who threw a very flash party at his house and he invited Jesus and lots of other important people. And Jesus was at this party and then said that a woman slipped in, kind of unnoticed, but she wasn't kind of the person you wanted a party like that. She was a, a woman with a, a bad reputation. And it said she found Jesus and she said she, she wept at his feet and she washed his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair and she was just broken before Jesus. And the other people at the party, some of these guests and the religious people like, what is that woman doing in here in our party, mucking everything up, making it kind of, bringing the, the tone down for it. And Jesus responded to their, their kind of their murmuring and their unsort of spoken thoughts. He said, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And here's the thing, we need to understand that before God, all our efforts, all the things we've done are just like filthy rags. We, we have a debt before him which is massive. And the woman in that story there in Luke 7 knew it and she understood it. And as a result, her response to Christ was one of adoration and love because she realized how big her debt was and what Christ had done to pay it, to remove it. And so her response to, her, to Jesus was absolutely massive. And if we don't grasp how much we've been forgiven, it will affect how we relate to God and also how we relate to others. And if we think, actually, Jesus saved us, but we were all right anyway, you know, it's nice to have salvation, but actually we were pretty good people without it. We've missed something fundamental in the Christian faith. Actually, we had a debt and it was massive. And repayment of that debt is impossible. It says in the story, 10,000 talents. That equates to kind of lifetimes of earnings. For the modern, for us, it would be like a seven-figure number, which I imagine for most of us would be absolutely impossible, even if they added up every penny we earned in our life and we never spent anything on anything, like food or clothing or anything. It still wouldn't reach that number. The debt is huge and repayment is possible. And in this story, Jesus is saying, you can't repay it. It's too vast. It's too big. Another way round it needs to be found because you can't pay. You don't have this money. You can't pay back what you owe. It's, it's vast. It's huge. And we've got to find something way. The, the debt is too big. And what does that mean? That means mercy is required. It says in verse 26, So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. I will pay you. He realizes he's just, he can't, he just, I've just got to throw myself on the king's mercy because he said he's going to put me in jail, he's going to sell my wife and kids, he's going to sell all I have, my home, everything I've got to kind of try and pay off this debt. So he just throws him on the mercy of the king. And we've got some key concepts here we need to just sort of understand. The first one is justice or righteousness, fairness. And that basically means it's giving people what they deserve. And God is righteous and just, and he gives us what we deserve. And if he really followed that through, where would we be? We shouldn't be going to heaven. We should be going to hell, because that was the punishment for our sins. So God is a righteous judge, and he must judge. You can't just overlook it, brush it under the carpet, pretend like it's not there. He's got to deal with it. It's a problem. There is a debt to be paid that is massive. But the next thing is there is mercy. 
which is exactly what the servant pleads for. He says, and mercy is not giving people what they deserved. And we're told to be merciful to others. Why? Because God has been merciful to us. He didn't give us what we deserved. And so we've, we've received mercy, which means we don't get what we deserve, which is brilliant. But it goes further still. There is grace. And grace is giving people what they don't deserve. So we've got mercy not giving people what they deserve. Grace is giving people what they don't deserve. And what happened in the story? We go back to the story. The, the, the servant fell on his knees, begging, pleading, have mercy, have patience with me. And what does it say in verse 27? And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him his debt. He cancelled the debt. The debt that he could never pay. The debt that was so vast, that was so big, that was so way beyond his resources. It says the master, he took pity. He showed mercy. He showed grace. He also showed fairness and justice because who actually ended up paying the debt? The master did. The master would have just swallowed that up and said, you owe me that, I will have to write that off. So the debt was paid. It was paid by the master. But he showed mercy and grace towards a servant who couldn't um, be free from it. Now, we go on to the next part of the story, which it suddenly, it's all very good now. It suddenly takes a turn for the worse. It says, but when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, what, uh, pay what you owe. Now, denarius was of day's wages, so it's about 300 wa- uh, 300, three months' wages. So it's not a small amount of money, but it's nothing like what he um, owed his master. And it says the servant found him. It's fascinating. The servant found him, and, and the first thing he did was begin to choke him. And then he said, can you pay me the money? So there's something wrong here. Normally, if you were being a bit more reasonable, you might say, pay me the money. No, then I'll choke you. But he just actually went out and just started choking him. Got him in a chokehold, pay me the money of what he was going to do. Now, if we go back to that verse we looked at at the beginning about no advantage being taken of you. The, 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 the Paul was saying to the Corinthians there, actually, if you, if you don't deal with unforgiveness, the enemy is going to come in. You're going to be aware of his schemes and he'll be able to take advantage of you. And so what happens in the story here, bearing the, thinking about this, it says, so his fellow, fellow servant fell down. I'm not surprised he's been choked. It says, and pleaded with him. Does this sound familiar? Have patience with me and I will pay you, he said. It's almost verbatim what the other servant said. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not have you had had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in his, in his anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. Okay, in some translations it says um, he gave him over the, the jailers to be tortured. And there's a kind of this, this image there that actually what he's doing is there's, there's this, he's going through a sense of torment, this, uh, this wicked servant. 
Um, and this, this idea, the same word there is used um, later in um, Mark's gospel when um, Jesus is dealing with one of the demons and basically the demon says, don't torture me. And it's kind of this idea of spiritual torment. And Jesus finishes saying, so my heavenly Father will do to every one of you, he's obviously talking to his followers there, the disciples, if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. If we don't forgive from the heart, it's almost like we're going to be in some kind of spiritual torment. There's a, you, you've left that door open to your house and an enemy has come in and is ransacking your home. And they're causing distress and strife and taking things from you and generally being a nuisance in your home. Because, and the reason is because you've let them in. You haven't locked the doors. And it's all based around this idea of forgiveness. Now, what does it mean to forgive from the heart? It doesn't, it, what it doesn't mean is just to say, I forgive you. There you go. I've said the words. It's not like an incantation. You know, that if you say the words, it's done. It's deeper than that. It means you have to name the individual. This person, I'm forgiving so-and-so. You've got to be specific about what they did. They, 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 they did this to me, and actually I'm owning the actions. And then you've got to be real about the feelings that they cause. Well, what, did it, what did it evoke in you? We looked at that last week, didn't we? Emotions. Emotions are important. They don't drive us, but they, they guide us and they can give us kind of an idea of what's happening in our soul. They're the barometer up to our soul, we saw. So actually, so there's a formula you can use to kind of help process this. And if you say, you know, Lord, I choose to forgive him or her, then you can name specifically what they did or what they didn't do. Sometimes it's a failure of something they didn't do. Then how did it make you feel? And actually doing that will help you process well what's happened rather than just saying, yeah, I forgive you. It's something that actually you've got to own it. You've got to own the pain. You've got to own the hurt that comes through because it, it will have to be painful. Otherwise, you won't, there's no need for forgiveness. It won't hurt you, damage you. And I know uh, for me, this happened in the very first week of the course. I was, I was ahead of the game somehow. But we started this course back in October, I think it was. And we had the first one. And the first one was a great one. It's all about... Jesus has done this to you. Isn't it good? Let's pray, proclaim truth. So it was a kind of a nice, nice way in. And we got to the, um, the, the bit of worship time at the end and we're singing. And someone brought a word about people not forgiving other people. And I looked around in my pious self-righteousness and said, I wonder who that's for. You know, looking out with my microphone. And God spoke to me and said, there's someone in your past you need to forgive, Stuart. And it came back to me kind of in a flood. And it was something that happened way back when I was young and I was at school. And it was a teacher who I suddenly kind of saw and I lived back in that moment and I felt the pain. And actually it was Jesus said, you need to deal with this. I'm, I'm, I'm using this opportunity to bring it up to you. And so I stood at the front here and there was, there was like, so we need to respond to this and I have to be first because I realized it was me. And I stood at the front and someone came and prayed with me and I said, right, I want to name this individual. This is what they did. There was a very specific incident uh, where I was humiliated and I owned it and it made me feel small and kind of wretched, and it sort of lived with me, and I dealt with it there and then, and it kind of came up, and by the grace of God, I have walked free from that, and so actually, when we're doing this, when we're doing this process, we're not being flippant with it, but we want to be honest, and we want to own what's happened, and own what's done in our lives. Now, when it comes to this forgiveness, we need to extend forgiveness to others, but actually, ultimately, it's only between us and God. So I had to extend forgiveness to that teacher on that morning, but actually the, the business was between me and Jesus. I don't know where that teacher is now. They might not even be alive. I mean, I'm old, so 
going back a few years, and they were old when they did it, so they might have passed away. So I can't go to them, I can't deal with them, but I can do it with Jesus. I can deal with him because it's between me and God. He's the, I'm the one holding unforgiveness. I'm the one I can receive it from God, and I can do that, and actually not with her. So we need to extend it to others, but actually the business comes between me and them. And Jesus commands us to forgive others. That's what he said. He says, you can't forgive. He even said in Matthew uh, 5, ironically, I read this this morning in my, my, my readings. I'm going through Matthew at the moment. Matthew 5, it says, actually, if you've, if you've got an issue with someone, you go to them and deal with them. It says in Matthew 5 in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. You go and deal with it. You go and deal with the issue. So if you're coming to worship, if there's someone to go and deal with, you can go and deal with them. If you've offended them, but if they offended you, it says you go to God. You deal with him. You deal with it with Jesus. You deal with God and you work it out. Because the reason you work out with God because your freedom can't be dependent on someone else. Your depend- freedom is dependent on your actions with God. It's dependent on someone else and actually God can't set you free because they can hold you out. So that's why you go to Jesus and deal with it. Why do we forgive? Number one, to stop the pain. Now you might respond to me and I know I've been in the same place. You don't know how much that hurt me. You don't know how much pain that caused. And you say, well, yes, that's true. It did hurt you. But guess what? It's still hurting you right now. The way you stop the pain is by forgiving. I don't know what it was like when you were growing up. My dad is a fisherman. And I, he had three sons. I'm the middle of three. And he used to take us fishing. And we would go fishing lots. Uh, and it was just one of those things, the dad exercise, do that. And my two, elder, my two brothers, my elder and younger, they love fishing. I was a bit pissed. <laughs> on fishing, you know, sitting outside in the cold, not doing anything, maggots, it's not my thing. You know, I'd rather be indoors reading a book. But it was a, fa- a thing with my dad, so we did it, um, and we, we had to learn to fish, and one of the, the fun things about fishing is you get your own rod. Dad had a whole bunch of rods. We all had our own rod and reel, but when you had to, you know, you flick out the, the line into the, into the water, and that was the best bit, because after that, as far as I was aware, you sat there for three hours and nothing happened. You know, so the fun bit was whipping it out into the line. You put your bread or your boilie on your, your hook, and you whip it out in there. But being young children and having a very patient father, we weren't good with the whole line flicking thing. You know, we were a bit of liabilities because, you know, hooks go everywhere. So we'd often flick back, it would get caught in the bush, and, <coughs> and we couldn't do that. You know, I, I've done it those times when we've actually flicked and caught my brothers, and they've caught me. It kind of suddenly got caught in the, cooking, in the coat because when someone's flicking, you just walk behind, you know, not paying attention. And suddenly the hook is caught in your coat. And forgiveness is similarly like that. Imagine... You know, someone's fishing and they, the hook goes behind, but it catches into you. And it doesn't just catch into your clothing, it catches into your body. Why was it caught into your mouth? The hook went straight through your jaw, a bit like a fish. You know, when a fish is caught, the hook goes into their mouth and they're stuck fast. Not forgiving is like that. Having this hook caught in your mouth and causing you pain. And here's the question. How do you deal with the pain? That's not a trick, by the way. How do you deal with the pain if a hook's caught in your mouth? You take the hook out. You take out the hook, which is what forgiveness is. It's removing the hook from your mouth. How about this illustration? Imagine um, there's a lady whose husband has left her, run off with another woman. And this is an extremely horrible, painful situation. She may say, I'm not ready to forgive that. You can understand the pain why she'd say that. She might be effectively saying, I'm staying angry because I want to kind of get my own back with him. I want to I just, he's, what he's done is wrong, and so I'll be angry so I can kind of get my own back on him. But what's the reality? Husband might not 
be any effect of that. The husband might be running off with this other woman having a great time. Someone's getting hurt in it, but it's not him. It's her. She's the one taking the pain. And I know I had this situation. There was a a time a, a number of years back when I was in a workplace and the situation went wrong. And effectively, I ended up getting kind of fired from work and pushed out of it and it affected church and kind of getting pushed out of that. And it was an extremely painful time for me uh, and my family. And I remember for many years afterwards just being really angry about what happened to me. I felt it was unjustified. I felt I was the victim. I felt it all went wrong. And, and I was the one holding on to this bitterness, this pain. I was the one with a hook in my mouth. And when it came to kind of God saying, you need to deal with it, I wouldn't let him. Because I was angry at the individual involved. I was angry at the situation. I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not going to deal with that. But the reality is, the individual involved had no clue. They were off just living their life, getting on with the next thing that came along. The only person who was being affected by it was me. And unfortunately, my wife and anyone who got close to me. You know. But actually, I was the one who was being affected by it. I was the one with the hook in my mouth. And so God taught, led me, and eventually I had to work through that process of forgiving that individual, forgiving what happened in that situation, forgiving kind of the hurts and the letdown and everything that went on. And so eventually I managed to take the hook out of my mouth by God's grace. And guess what? The pain stopped. Because the hook came out. And actually I could walk free. It had no effect on the other person, but it had a huge effect on me and being able to walk free. One person, a wise man, said about bitterness and unforgiveness, he said, bitterness is like swallowing poison and hoping the other person dies. Bitterness is like swallowing poison and hoping the other person dies. It's ridiculous when you think about it, isn't it? So what is forgiveness? All right, it's not forgetting. It's not forgetting. It's not forgetting it happened. Uh, The Bible does say that actually God, in Jeremiah, God says, I will remember your sins no more, but what what, what that's kind of doing to it, it's not that God will forget, forget, because God is all-knowing, and he doesn't forget. He cannot forget. He knows everything at all times. What he's saying is, I will not count it against you. And effectively, that's what forgiveness is. I will not count it against you. I'm not going to forget it, because it's happened. You you can't forget it. But actually, I'm not going to count it against you. And if you're not sure about this one, if you're in a situation with someone and you you cite incidents from the past and say, this often happens between spouses, you cite incidents, you did this, you did that, what that means is you haven't forgiven them. You haven't let that go you're still counting it against them you're still counting against them when you forgive basically what you're saying is i'm not going to bring that up again i'm going to let that go i'm not going to count it against them you i'm not going to use it as a weapon against you i'm not going to bring it up as my big bat in our next argument or whatever next confrontation time that's what it is so you're saying i'm it's not not forgetting it's actually not counting it against them it's also not tolerating sin forgiveness doesn't mean we have to tolerate sin it absolutely does not mean that. Does, Dodd, does, Dodd, does God forgive? Yes. Thank you. Does he tolerate sin? Yes. No. No, he doesn't. In fact, he can't. Now, this is, uh, if you're in a difficult situation here where you are being sinned against continually, imagine another scenario with the wife who's being abused by her husband physically. She might be able to forgive him, but actually what he's doing is both sinful and illegal. 
And so actually you might counsel forgiveness, but actually the right response is you don't tolerate sin. We need to report this man to the authorities. He needs to be reported to the police. The police needs to be involved. What, you, what you're doing is illegal. We, we, we have to deal with that. We can't ignore that. And so actually it's, it is not inconsistent to say to the wife, you need to forgive your husband and work through that, but at the same time saying, hey, you need to go to jail because of what you've done is illegal. So we don't, it's not about tolerating sin. We can still forgive and let the law take its course. It's not seeking revenge. It's not seeking re- revenge. Now you might say, does that mean we sweep it under the carpet? Saying it doesn't matter? No, it does matter. In fact, it matters very much. And we're not asking you to sweep things under the carpet. In fact, we're asking you to do the absolute opposite. We're asking you to tr- entrust it to God. He will not let anything ever go under the carpet. God will deal it. Forgiveness is actually a step of faith in Jesus. It says in Romans 12, uh, Behold, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Revengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. When you forgive someone, you're letting them off your hook. You're not letting them off God's hook. And the reality is, whatever has been done to you, whether it's active or, or passive, something you should have done, something they didn't, it will be dealt with. It will come under judgment. It will come under judgment in two places. It will either become under judgment on them on judgment day, or it will come under judgment on the cross of Christ. And the reality is, when we forgive, we hand over judgment and, re- uh, and all that to God, and He will deal with it. And he will deal with it in his time. And either it will be dealt with on Christ, because that's where our judgment fell, or that person will have to deal with it when they stand before God. Because at the on, one day, we're all going to stand before God and all going to give an account. And so when we, when we choose to forgive, we take that step of faith saying, God, I'm going to give all that over to you. You are the righteous judge. You are the one who will do it perfectly and do it right. And it means we can then walk free in faith, knowing that God is going to deal with it. Now, we have to live with the consequences of others' sin. Forgiveness is resolving to do that. We have to just live with the consequences of sin. They they can't be kind of swept away, what they are. And living with the consequences of sin, especially someone else's sin, is really hard. You might say, that's just not fair, living with the consequences of sin. You say, no, it's not. But you're going to have to do it anyway. And here's the reality. We We do it every day. We all live with the consequences of someone's sin. The biggest and most obvious is Adam's. In the garden, Adam and Eve sinned, and we reap the consequences, as does everyone else, every single day of our life. So we have to be aware to live with the consequences of sin around us. And it happens all the time. And the only real choice... Is whether we do that in bondage to bitterness or in the freedom of forgiveness. Because we've all got to deal with it. We're all responsible um, for committing those things, hurts on others, but also receiving them from others as well. Forgiveness is to set a captive free. And the captive is you. You're the one in captivity. And it's an issue between you and and God, and he commands us to forgive. It's that strong. It's a command. It's not a, a suggestion or a guideline. It is a command. Jesus commands us to forgive. And the reason he commands you to forgive is because he 
loves you. He loves you. He knows what bitterness and unforgiveness is doing to your life, and it is going to destroy you. It is going to defile you. If you've ever met people who've been in um, unforgiveness for a period of time, it can physically affect them. It can affect their outlook on everything and everyone, on people, on the church, on God, on, on family, on work. It can just utterly cripple them. And God says you need to deal with this because it will destroy you. It gives a foothold to the enemy to come into your life. It will defile you. It will, it will spill out on others around you. When you're, when you're, you're full of bitterness, you're like a, I don't forgive us, you're like um, a cup that is full to the brim. It's full to the brim with anger and, and bile and rage and all someone needs to do is just nudge it. And what happens? It spills. And it will spill over your family, it will spill over your children, it will spill over your work colleagues. It will just come and it will contaminate everything. And God says you need to deal with this because I have come to set you free. Jesus said I have come that you may have life and life in abundance. That's what we, we've looked at that previously. Just I want you to be free, I want you to walk in freeness, I want you to enjoy all I have for you. And unforgiveness is the thing that's going to hold you back. Like having a hook in your mouth, it's just going to keep pulling you and hurting you and away with you. And at no point do we want to uh, belittle what has happened to you. No, absolutely not. But the truth is, to be free, to walk free, is to forgive those who have hurt you. Now, this afternoon, later, t the guys this week are going to be coming back here and we're going to go through some of these processes with the step to freedom and there will be several things, but this will be one of them. And so even now, guys, I know that even preparing this, God will be raising things with you. And you, you can, you're, you're kind of, they're, in, they're in your heart and mind now, even when you start talking about forgiveness. When you know you're an unforgiver, it just comes. The individual, the situations, the feelings. And my charge to you now is, is don't bolt now. As Fliss brought earlier, stand firm. And we're going to have some opportunity later today to deal with this stuff head on with whatever the Holy Spirit brings up in your life. In the moment, we're just going to pray, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal if there's anyone else or any other things in your life that you need to get dealt with. And then we're going to worship, and we're going to sing, and we're going to praise God, and we're going to come back later, and we're going to kind of process these things um, together. And so I just don't miss this moment. This isn't primarily about right and wrong. It's not about assigning blame and what they did or, or justifying or anything like that. It's about you and Jesus and clearing out the junk in your life. Because the reality is the more we go through life, the more we accumulate junk. It happens physically, doesn't it? Think about your homes. It just, it just accumulates someone. I was speaking to someone yesterday and they were just talking about some cupboard they'd literally just emptied and they'd found things there that were so old they didn't realize they were there. And Some of them were old, so old there it's like they shouldn't be there. You know, they started to reproduce or something, do you know? And they were, they were just talking about that. And our lives can be like that. We just accumulate junk and rubbish. And going through these steps for reason is a way to clear it out with God in the spiritual sense. Let's clear it out and have a nice, fresh slate for what God wants to do in the rest of 2016. Does that sound good? Yeah. Amen. Do you want to stand up? I'm pray. The band, do you want to come back up, please? The guys are going to be on tonight. The ladies are going to be on uh, next Sunday. Uh, we won't be doing the Freedom in Christ next Sunday. Mel is going to be doing something different, and then we'll go back in the week after. 
But in just this moment, do you want to just close your eyes and um, hold out your hands? When it comes to forgiveness, we cannot belittle it in terms of what has been done to you. When you need to forgive someone, it's genuine pain. It's a genuine hurt. It's not, we're not, I don't want to play that down like, oh, it didn't matter what it did. It mattered. It mattered a great deal. It matters so much, Jesus went to the cross for it. All right? But within that, God is telling you to forgive because it's the best thing for you. It is the best thing for you. And he is the Father who loves you. And if you remember the beginning of the course, all those truths we spoke out, there was one about the God who loves you. And you're welcome in his presence. And he wants good for you. And he's for you. And this is just another one of those things to say, I'm for you. I love you. I'm just going to pray now. Um, and maybe you want to amen at the end. And then we're going to worship. Lord God, I want to thank you for the gift of forgiveness the gift that we have received from you. Lord God, I want to thank you that the, our debt was massive, yet you paid it. That debt that we owed to you for all the evil we had done, Lord, was just way beyond our capability to repay. It was immense. Lord, and you showed us mercy and grace. We didn't get what we deserve, which is punishment. And what's more, we got what we didn't deserve in freedom and love and acceptance and righteousness and holiness, Lord, before you. And Lord, we thank you for the truth we've learned today that forgiveness is essential to our freedom. It's essential to us walking in freedom. We do not want to let the enemy have a foothold in our lives, in our homes, Lord Jesus. And I pray, God, now, if there are issues in our lives that you know need to be dealt with, Lord, would you bring it to mind? Would you bring them to mind now? If it was people, that individual, that person, would you bring it to mind, Lord God, so that we can face up to that individual now, Lord Jesus? Maybe you even want to start that process now. You want to kind of name that person, name what happened, you know, Name how it felt, what it made it did to you, and it's that I forgive them for that. And it doesn't belittle what it has, what happened. And all you're doing is handing over the payment of that debt to God, and He'll deal with it at His time, whether it's on Christ on the cross or on Judgment Day or whatever. But you're just saying, God, this isn't for me to follow up. <laughs> it's not about me getting revenge or getting my back. It's just releasing the debt to you, Lord God. God wants to bring you freedom. That's what he wants. And we'll be following this up this afternoon, later. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we stand here as a forgiven people. Lord God, that whatever we forgive others, it's nothing compared to what you've forgiven us. Lord Jesus, and I thank you for the forgiveness you've given us today. Uh, Lord Jesus, I thank you that what you purchased on the cross when you died and rose again. Lord, that we could be free before you, that we could have an eternity that is secure, that we could have relationship with you as Father, that we could know that in our lives, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the truth of your word that brings hope and, and life to us, Lord Jesus. We want to say we love you, Lord. And God's people said...